Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Uh, Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Um, y'all owe me for this shit, so leave a review on Podchaser. Uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Try and leave a review on Stitcher if it doesn't work. They made promises. Even at the end of her life, they couldn't give her happiness. Even, I mean, first of all, there's no way that uh, Breeze was going to get off drugs in two weeks. Like, they were like two weeks later, and she was like, I'm free. I'm, I'm free of addiction. That's not how it works. <clears throat> but even after all that, I still have questions. Like, how the fuck did Ileana find them in Brazil? And how'd she get on that plane with a weapon? And how'd murder find and know to follow Lena onto the plane to get to Mecca, who's already dead? And how the hell you think they all went to heaven? God answered that question a long, long time ago. When Richie Rich asked him, does G's get to go to heaven? The answer was clearly no. Tupac asked the same question. I wonder if heaven's got a ghetto. The answer is no. No. Heaven, if anything, is full of a bunch of Republicans who are trying their hardest to build a fucking wall and keep us out. So how the fuck you think drug dealers get in there? But you can donate. <laughs> Buymeacoffee.com slash SSCast. Uh, Patreon.com slash Single Simulcast. If you're listening on Good Pods, appreciate you. I appreciate any of y'all who are listening to this shit. I'm not shitty. It's just the books. Um, but if you're on good pod, you can always go to the tip jar. There's more of these motherfuckers. You want proof? Fine. The cartel four. Chapter one, the sleeping beast had finally awoken unknown. Mecca heard the sound of a gun being cocked behind him and he wasn't even startled. He didn't even turn around for that matter. He just took a deep breath and placed his hands together in a praying form. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, Mecca said as tears slid down his face. He already knew who was behind him, and it came as no surprise to him. Carter began to recite the prayer along with his brother, as he pointed the gun to the back of Mecca's head. Mecca had always known that Carter would eventually seek revenge for Mia Moore's death. 
he had loved her way too much to not come after him. Mecca's only dilemma had been to figure out when and where Carter would take his life. Mecca was a seasoned street veteran, and the only thing that he knew for sure was that the eyes don't lie, and on that day, Carter could not hide the hatred he had inside. Carter knew that if he let Mecca live, Mecca would possibly turn on him one day, just as he did to Monroe. He also felt obligated to avenge Mia Moore's death, so killing Mecca was inevitable. Mecca also knew the game. Mecca realized that if he was in Carter's shoes, he would have done the same, so he wasn't mad at Carter for what he was about to do. Once the prayer was over, Mecca stood unflinchingly with his heart pounding through his chest. There was no malice in his heart, only regret, but he knew that his older brother was about to deliver his retribution. Oh yeah, that was the other question. I think I asked it, but why that book was called Commencement when everything seemed to be ending? I love you, Carter, Mecca said as he straightened up his time to prepare for his death. I love you too, Carter replied sincerely as he wrapped his finger around the trigger. I always will, bro. Boom. It seemed as if he had heard that boom from a year ago. Slowly his senses began to be restored after a long slumber. It seemed as if he looked through Mecca's eyes just before he died. All he could see was the face of Mecca Diamond as his eyes were closed shut. His ability to smell was the first thing that came back to him. The fresh scent from the ocean was like heaven as he took a deep inhale through his nostrils, and the moist air journeyed into his lungs. Second, the sound of the waves traveled through the air and to his ears as the waves crashed onto the shore. A light, steady beep echoed through the room from the heart monitor to set at his bedside. The cool breeze blew through the window and caused goosebumps to form on his arm. He took a deep breath and slowly opened his eyes. At first, the sun rays were too much for his sensitive pupils, so he quickly closed them back shut. After a few seconds, he built up enough courage and tried again. He opened his eyes and his blurred vision slowly began to focus as he looked towards the open window. The beautiful ocean was in clear sight. And just above it, there were the blue skies, and it mesmerized him. He had been in a coma for five years, and had finally come back to life. He swallowed his spit, and his mouth was drier than he had ever remembered. He was thirsty. He was thirsty for water, but also he was thirsty for knowledge. He didn't understand how he had gotten there. The last thing he remembered was looking down the barrel of a gun, pointed by his own blood brother. He remembered hearing a shot, and then everything went black. But the sleeping beast had finally awoken. Monroe Money Diamond was alive. What? 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 Wasn't he at the party up in heaven, with all of his family looking down, waiting for Carter to come home? Wasn't... What? Okay. Okay. Money looked around and the setting was so unfamiliar. He had no idea where he was, and his mind began to race rapidly. He had an IV hooked into his arm, and patches were on his bare chest to monitor his heartbeat. Although he was under care, he noticed he wasn't in a hospital. He was in a plush, spacious bedroom that looked to be some sort of luxurious beach house, and the back French doors that led to the beach were open. Yeah, because no one in this fucking family believes in health care. 
He had no idea where he was, and panic began to set in. Money felt his heart begin to speed up. And along with that, the heart monitor began to beat louder and more rapidly, signaling the home care nurse, who was in the other room. Money quickly sat up, causing him to become dizzy. He lost his balance and fell onto the floor. He tried to pick himself up, but that's when he realized how weak his limbs were. Didn't they have a funeral for this nigga? Like, wasn't that where Mia Moore was going to kill Carter and then she realized... Or she was going to kill Mecca, and then she realized that Carter was his brother? That was at his funeral, right? I guess that was a fake body, too. He was probably, you know, laid out in the back of a limousine-tinted hearse. And then got flown to Brazil. And there's probably some fake dude who's sitting up there in heaven. Because it's probably just Mecca switching chairs over and over again. Like back in those... uh. Shows like Boy vs. World or Boy Meets World where he was taking two girls to the dance and shit so he had to keep switching back and forth. And they don't notice because, you know, they don't look just alike, but, you know, for purposes. Two Dominican nurses rushed into the room. And they were in shock as they looked at the frail, bearded man that lay on the floor. They had taken care of him while he was in a coma for years. But never had they met him personally. The two ladies began to frantically converse in Spanish. Money picked up the accent and immediately knew that he was in the Dominican Republic. As a child, his mother would speak that language when she got angry, so he caught on quickly. They just stared at him in shock as they placed their hands over their mouths. Monroe, being fearless and refusing to be defeated, tried to get to his feet again. Almost instantly, he crumbled to the ground, not being able to get his legs under him. The nurses rushed over to him, one of them grabbing him by each arm. He aggressively snatched away and grimaced. I, I got it, he said faintly as he clenched his jaw so tightly that veins began to pop out in his forehead. One of the nurses ordered the other one to go call Estes and notify him that his grandson had awoken. So Estes knew that this nigga didn't die and was in a coma and never told Lena that her father's son was still alive. So she ran off to be with Mecca because Estes never told her that there was a slight chance that this nigga may come back to you at some point. He gathered himself and tried to get up again. This time, he used the bed as a crutch as he climbed to his feet, gritting his teeth as it took all of his might and willpower. He slowly got to his feet and stood up straight and poked his chest out. He refused to be defeated, and the nurses watched as he breathed heavily. He was obviously in pain. Where am I? he asked as he looked at the nurses. Just as he finished the sentence, the nurse who had left the room returned with a phone in hand. She walked up to Money and gave it to him. He reached for the phone as he leaned on the bed to help him stay upright. He then slowly raised the phone to his ear. He just listened as he waited to hear who was on the other end of the phone. Monroe Diamond, is it true? Essie's asked as he listened to Monroe breathing on the phone. It was silence in the air, and Estes wanted nothing more than to hear the sound of his favorite grandchild's voice. Speak to me! Estes yelled through the phone in an attempt to confirm the news. Monroe's mouth felt like sandpaper, and he cleared his throat so that he would be clear. I'm here, Papa, 
I'm here, Monroe confirmed. I'm on my way, Estes said calmly. Estes knew that he had a tough task ahead. He had to let Monroe know that things weren't as he had left them. Taryn, his mother, had been murdered. His sister had been through hell, and his twin brother had met his fate in Brazil. Get some rest, and I'll be there immediately, Estes ordered. Wait, so is this like three years in the future? Is this five years in the future? How long was it since this nigga got shot? I mean, this is giving them a way to build everything back up, you know, and immediately start the drama back up, I guess. But still, get some rest and I'll be there immediately, Estes ordered. Wait, Papa, where am I? Why am I here? Monroe asked, trying to fill in the blanks. You are in the Dominican Republic at one of my private estates. Used to go there as a young boy every summer with me. Do you remember? Estes asked. Monroe looked around, and slowly the memories began to resurface. Yes, Papa, I remember. But why am I all the way out here? How long have I been out? Monroe questioned. Five years, said Estes. What? Monroe said as he sat down on the bed in confusion. It has been five years since you slipped into the coma. A lot has changed since then. I'll talk to you as soon as I get there, Estes said as his voice began to crack. He knew that telling Monroe the news would be one of the hardest things he ever had to do. Five years, Monroe said almost in a whisper as he was mentally thrown into the abyss. Yes. Estes was on the first jet to the Dominican Republic to break the news to his grandson that he was the last male of the bloodline alive. He would tell Monroe the whole story, excluding nothing of what had happened. Why did they open this with the, um, bringing up the end of the last chapter, you know, where Carter killed Mecca? Like, that didn't make any sense. This doesn't make any sense. And then... Boom! Are they still, like, why were they still trying to fool people? Like, you would think that Mecca somehow made it out. And this totally negates all of that shit that happened in heaven. They really in hell. Young Carter woke up in cold sweats as the thundering and lightning caused chaos in the sky. He sat up from his bed, breathing deeply as he wiped the sweat from his forehead. His bare chest was drenched as sweat beads covered his whole body. He slowly got out of bed and walked over to the bathroom that was connected to his room. He turned on the water and bent down to splash water on his face. The nightmares have haunted him every day since he murdered Mecca. He always wished that he could take the murder back, but when he thought about it, he knew that he had to do it. Mecca's character was flawed, and he eventually hurt the people who were close to him, are they going to do this again? Young Carter knew what he had to do. Like, come on. We know who he is. It's the fourth fucking book. We know that the other one ain't alive no more. He looked into the mirror and into his own eyes. Unlike many, he could see his soul. He was content with the person he was. The last year had been a peaceful one for him. He fell all the way back from the streets and let Zaire take over. He only came into the picture when it was time to meet with their supplier. Carter knew that he wouldn't be able to go back to sleep, so he slipped on a t-shirt and walked into his living room. 
He clicked on Sports Center and walked over to his mini bar to pour a glass of cognac. He needed to take the edge off and get his mind off the murder. The loud roars of the thunder were like a soundtrack to a horror film, and the rain began to pour down like cats and dogs. As he poured himself a glass, he felt a chill go up his spine. Things weren't right. Just as he put the glass to his lips, he heard his doorbell ring. He instantly focused his attention on the door and frowned up. Nobody knows about this place with Zaire, he thought as he walked to his room and grabbed his gun off the dresser. He tucked it in the small of his back and headed to his door. He unlocked his door, and when he saw who stood on the other side, he dropped his glass. He was seeing a ghost. He had to be, because he was staring at a person he thought was dead a long time ago. Oh my God, he thought as he looked into the eyes of... I'm not doing this for dramatic purposes. That's literally where the chapter ends. And also, so, let's put some thought into this. They said Breeze was gone for two years, right? Breeze got kidnapped shortly after Money's funeral. Because that's when he was like, we don't want you just going around without a guard. Zaire go with her. So we'll put that at maybe... Three months later, this shit happened. It's not like the Avengers. You know, bad shit doesn't happen every fucking day. Um, so I would have said two years and six months after she was kidnapped, she got killed by Ileana. So that means that two and a half more years have passed? <clears throat> Chapter two. If you can't forgive me, just kill me, Carter, because I can't live without you. Mia Moore? Mia Moore stood before him. Hair soaked as the heavens cried tears of retribution upon her. Her wet skin glistened under the glowing porch light, while her body shook from the chill that settled into her bones. Hers was a face that Carter hadn't seen in four years but he had committed it to memory in his feeble attempts to hold on to the love that they had once shared. Young Carter's knees weakened as his heart matched the rhythm of the lightning bolts that struck the black sky. Pain pierced his chest as heartbreak seared through his body. It was as if Cupid himself was pulling the arrow out of his heart, ripping him to pieces with every tug. His eyes widened in shock as he let go of the glass of cognac he had been sipping. It shattered in a million pieces at his feet, resembling the current state of his broken heart. There was so much history between them, and as his mind recalled their past, a myriad of emotions passed through him. Rage, hurt, and betrayal caused a lump to form in his throat as they stared silently at one another. A pistol rested on his hip, but he didn't even think to reach for it. Had she been any other person? He would have put a bullet between her eyes. But this one woman was the exception to his street rules. Mia Moore had always been his weakness. Silence surrounded them. There was so much that needed to be said, but Carter couldn't find his voice. Lost in her eyes, he saw a woman who had been through hell and back just to stand at his door. She was thinner than he remembered, and scars covered her neck and wrote imperfections into her beautiful face. The world seemed to move in slow motion, and Carter couldn't help but to think he was dreaming. 
His mind had played this trick on him many times before. In his sleep, he had held her, kissed her, made love to her. But when he awoke each morning, the loneliness of his existence always crept in. Her absence was always present. He didn't believe his eyes, despite the fact that this time he was seeing the truth. Mia Moore stood, terrified as she waited for Carter to react. Butterflies fluttered in her stomach and her chest heaved up, then down in anticipation. Her soul was bleeding out and tears began to flow down her cheeks in turmoil. The hatred she saw in his eyes dissolved into hurt, then confusion, but behind it all she still saw love. She knew that there was a possibility that Carter would murder her where she stood, but seeing him again was worth the risk. The feeling of completion that he gave her when she was in his presence was enough to put it all on the line. She had tried staying away, but in the end, living without him was not living at all. Please say something, she whispered as she lowered her head to her chest. For the first time, she was ashamed of herself. She was so full of regret that she couldn't stomach it. Carter was always so statuesque and strong but her reemergence had sucked the air out of his lungs. He was vulnerable, and seeing him so hurt sent a dagger through her heart. Carter was a man of strict composure, but the melody of her voice caused him to lose it all. Tears clouded his eyes. This isn't real. You're dead, he whispered as he walked out onto his porch and into the heavy rain. He stepped so closely to her that there was no room between them. Mia Moore's breath caught in her throat. She was afraid to breathe, afraid to move, afraid of what he was going to do to her. Certainly there was vengeance and betrayal on his heart, but she hoped that the sight of her sparked the love that they used to share. All she needed was a tiny spark to ignite a flame so great that he couldn't deny her return. He brought his hand to her chin, lifting it so that she had to face him. His index finger traced the outline of her face as he took her in. Mia Moore felt the steel of his pistol pressing into her stomach, and she didn't move as she watched him weigh his options in his head. To kill her, or to love her. Carter knew that there was only one true choice. No woman could ever do for him what Mia Moore did for him. He had entertained plenty of playthings during her absence, but the connection that they shared was one that only was gifted by God once in a lifetime. Mia Moore, he whispered as a single tear escaped him. His voice was like a gunshot releasing her from a racing block, giving her permission to move. She reached up to wipe his tear away. I'm sorry, Carter, she said. Carter cleared his throat and took a step back from her as he grabbed her hands and removed them from his face. He moved to the side and extended his hand in welcome. Come inside, he said. His voice was low, sad, and revealed a hint of disdain, but she was ready to face him. She was ready to be with him, if he would have her. She didn't need to stand before God to be judged. Reuniting with Carter Jones was her judgment day. She only hoped that he didn't send her to the executioner. She took a deep breath and walked into his home. There's so much I need to say to you, she began. Before she could finish her sentence, she felt the cold kiss of the gun as Carter entered behind her and pointed it to her skull.
Her body tensed and she closed her eyes. If she had to go, this would be the way to do it. At the hands of the man she loved. The perfect end to an imperfect existence. It was almost too poetic. I never meant to hurt you, Carter, she said. Her voice was so full of sorrow that her words caused Carter's pulse to quicken and his jaw to clench. I don't deserve your forgiveness. I knew that it could come to this if I came back, but I had to see you. I had to see you see me. Even after you pull that trigger, just know that I will always love you. I always have. And if I could do things over again, I would do them differently. She waited for words, for bullets, for any type of response from him. But Carter was silent. Carter, say something, she pleaded as she began to cry. Tell me you love me. Say that you hate me. Just say something because the silence is torture. Carter had never been a novice when it came to his pistol. When he drew his gun, he always popped off. But Mia Moore was tugging at his heartstrings. He had lived for too long thinking that she was dead. He had grieved over her. Now that she had miraculously reappeared in his life, could he really be the one to make her extinct? His heart said no, but his mind said maybe. Still, no part of him was able to say yes. His hand shook, and Mia Moore could feel the uncertainty in his aim. She raised her hands in defense. I killed Mac. Carter couldn't even finish his sentence as he closed his eyes, finally allowing his pain to release in the form of flowing tears. I know, she whispered. You killed Mecca for me, and I'm sorry I put you in that position, Carter. This better be a dream. If you hadn't done what you did, I would have spent the rest of my life running from him. Emotions ran high as Mia Moore spoke, and Carter's conscience weighed heavily on him. He was my brother. A brother that murdered my sister, she contested with emotion, her voice raising an octave in defense. The loss of Anissa was still very real to her, and Carter was picking at the scab. She closed her eyes and composed herself, taking a deep breath. She had no right to ever raise her voice, not with Carter. Yes, she does. You got a right to raise your voice at whoever the fuck you want to raise your voice at. What? He was a victim of her betrayal. She lowered her voice just above a whisper as she continued. That's what started it all. What was I supposed to do, Carter? I kill. That's all I've ever known. She raised her hands and looked at him. Although they were clean, in her mind, they were covered in blood. I've taken more lives than I can count. It's who I am, and your brother took my sister from me. So I did what I do best. But then you happened. We happened. Carter smirked sarcastically and said, Big coincidence. It was, Carter, Mia Moore replied, breathless because her heart was beating so intensely. I didn't mark you. Meeting you was the best thing that's ever happened to me, and it wasn't planned. You weren't on my shit list. What we had was the realest thing I've ever known. I'm in love with you, Carter, and I need you to save me for myself, Mia Moore sobbed. Carter's grip loosened around his gun as she melted his resolve for vengeance. His eyes were focused on the nape of her neck, where delicate tendrils of curls lay perfectly against her skin. 
Anger surged through him like an electrical current, but he couldn't will himself to pull the trigger. He lowered his gun and wrapped his arms tightly around her waist, burying his face in the crease of her neck. It was at that moment that her legs gave out as she wept. Carter lowered her to the ground and kissed the back of her neck while her sobs of regret filled the room. They both were being smacked with the reality of the mistakes that they had made. If you can't forgive me, just kill me, Carter, because I can't live without you. I tried, and it's too hard, Mia Moore cried. Carter tossed the gun out of arm's reach and held her tightly. She leaned back against his chest and allowed herself to become weak as he rocked her slightly. They sat in the middle of his extravagant foyer, clinging to each other desperately, because neither of them knew how long this moment would last. There was so much deception between them that love could transform into hate within the blink of an eye. And when it did, Mia Moore would have no one to blame but herself. She felt him lift her from the floor and she buried her face in his chest as he carried her up the stairs. When they reached one of the rooms, he stopped and placed her on her feet. Look at me, he said, his voice steely and despondent, yet commanding. Mia Moore could barely look Carter in the eyes. But upon hearing his request, she lifted her head. Take a shower and meet me downstairs. We have a lot to talk about, he said. Mia Moore nodded her head and then retreated inside the room as he walked away from the door. Carter's head was so clouded that he didn't know if the choice he was making was right or wrong. He wasn't a man of indecision, but when it came to Mia Moore, he was stuck. He wanted her in the worst way. But with a ruthless history like the one she possessed, how could he ever trust that he wouldn't fall into her crosshairs? Love hadn't stopped her from betraying him before. He couldn't trust her, but it didn't stop him from wanting her by his side all the same. I don't even have to look that one up. It was just a book ago that he was saying, you know, I'm impressed by how much she killed people. And if she had been honest with me, then we could have just fallen in love and not even worried about it because her gangster matched my gangster. Tears stung the lids of Mia Moore's eyes as she stood under the steaming hot water with her head hung low. She wept, biting her bottom lip to stop her cries from being audible. Her chest heaved and her mind spun. The slightest sound caused her to jump as she pulled back the shower curtain in paranoia. She half expected for her brains to be blown out while she washed her body. A seasoned killer, Mia Moore knew that the most convenient place to murder someone was in the bathtub. That way, all of the blood and evidence could easily be washed down the drain. To her surprise, no Grim Reaper stood waiting to deliver her fate. Mia Moore quickly stepped out of the shower and wrapped herself in a towel. Wiping the condensation from the mirror, she stared at herself. Mia Moore silently condemned the woman who stared back at her. She didn't deserve Carter's forgiveness. Anything less than a bullet to the head would be generous of him. Her sixth sense told her to run, but her heart kept her still. Mia Moore was tired of running in the opposite direction of the love of her life. She wanted to run towards Carter, more importantly, beside him. She wiped the tears from her red and swollen eyes, then exited the bathroom. Warm colors decorated the large master bedroom. This was home to Carter, and she had never thought she would be welcomed into his life again. Just being in his proximity made her feel lightheaded, grateful, and terrified all at the same time. She quickly dressed, 
throwing on one of Carter's button-up shirts, then hesitantly made her way down the stairs to meet her fate. The last time she saw Carter, he was going to jail. Like, the cops had just came in, and he was going to jail. Like, that's the last time she saw him, so what exactly? Why is she feeling all of this angst out of nowhere? Carter stood in the dining room, staring into the flickering fireplace as the amber flames danced and crackled before his eyes. Although his back was to the entryway, he immediately felt Mia Moore's presence when she entered the room. He sucked in a breath and held it for a brief second, before releasing it along with the tension that burdened his shoulders. Turning towards her, he stared coldly in confusion. Carter had been through a lot, seen a lot, and lived a lot, and no one had ever affected him the way that she had. Her disappearance from his life had cut him deeply, but her reemergence was like salt to a bleeding wound. It burned. Carter, she said with a hint of desperation in her tone, and in an instant, he was across the room, standing in front of her. His hand wrapped around her fragile neck, and his body weight pushed her against the wall. The fuck? His powerful presence humbled her, and standing before him, she felt small, like a chastised child who was awaiting punishment for a bad deed. Ladies, just between me and you, and fellas. Non-binaries, too. This is not a way you ever want to feel with somebody you love. Period. Mia Moore breathed erratically. He could snap her neck easily, take her life in a split second, and get his revenge for the things that she had done. Somehow, she knew he wouldn't, or rather, he couldn't. Carter, she repeated. She had thought of him often over the years, but had never dared to speak his name. The syllables felt odd falling from her lips. He had been a memory for so long, someone she was supposed to let go of and forget. But he was such a prevalent force in her life that she couldn't. His face haunted her dreams every night. He caressed the side of her cheek. He was weak and vulnerable to this one woman. The street code that he lived by wasn't complex enough to analyze his current predicament. To love a woman like me and more was dangerous, but the not lover was torture. The hate dissolved from his stare, and against his better judgment, he kissed her. His full lips covered hers as their tongues did a slow, seductive tango. Carter pulled her lips into his mouth roughly, passionately, pouring his wanting into her as their bodies pressed together. She could feel how much he missed her, and she creamed her panties, thinking of the way he used to slow-stroke her. Mia Moore's heart was stuck on Carter, and there had not been another man for her after him. His shoes were too large to fill, and as his hands gripped her face, she knew why. They were designed for one another. Carter couldn't kill her if he wanted to. His hands moved south from her neck to her collarbone, discovering her breasts and finding the wetness eventually to flow between her thighs. His fingertips awakened her nerve endings, causing her nipples to harden and her thighs to clench together in anticipation. He groaned as his own erection swelled. He roughly lifted her off her feet, and she wrapped her legs around his waist. She reached down, her fingers fumbling as she pulled at his belt and unbuckled his designer slacks.
They move with intensity, with the passion of star-crossed lovers who have been deprived of one another. Four years is a long time to be disconnected from the one you craved. Carter had an insatiable hunger that only Mia Moore could fulfill. Mia Moore gasped and her mouth fell open in pleasure as his thickness parted her southern lips. He filled her up and made her breathless as he discovered the deep valleys of her womanhood. Mia Moore's brows furrowed and dipped in pleasure as Carter handled her roughly, taking out his frustrations as he hit the back of her pussy. His rhythm was slow, but powerful as he fucked her deep, long stroking her into a frenzy as she creamed around him. Carter, she gasped. His mixed emotions caused him to handle her differently. He wasn't as gentle as she remembered. He was punishing her love box. I mean, that's four right now. We're just going through the the, the, the bingo of, of euphemisms for pussy, for vagina, for vajayjay. For valleys, womanhood, southern lips. And Mia Moore loved it as she arched her back and brought her hips forward to match his stroke. Her shoulders balanced on the wall as Carter ripped open her shirt. Actually his shirt, but you know. Revealing her perky breasts. Her nipples were hard, rippled, and Carter palmed one breast, rolling her nipple gently between his thumb and index finger. Mia Moore's head fell back and her eyes followed suit as they rolled in the back of her head. Ripples of ecstasy flowed through her body as Carter sexed her into an orgasm. It quaked her body from head to toe as she held him tightly. He buried his face in the groove of her neck, planting gentle kisses on her delicate skin as he felt the blood surge to the head of his dick. She felt his nut building. The strong veins that ran through his shaft pulsated inside of her, and Mia Moore clenched down on him as she wound her body slowly, grinding her sex, that's five, into him. Mia Moore had beaten Carter to the finish line, but she was determined to make him catch up. Carter gripped the back of her hair and pulled her neck back slightly, taking complete control over her. Their sweaty bodies grinded harder, faster, harder. Mia Moore exploded again. She squirted all over him, and her wetness caused Carter to release. He came so far in her belly that she screamed his name and clawed at his back before finally letting the wave of ecstasy wash up on the shore. Michael rode the boat ashore. Hallelujah. Spent, Mia Moore rested against the wall as Carter leaned into her, breathing erratically, heavy as their foreheads met. He cupped her face with one hand and her knees went weak as she stared into his pained eyes. Forgive me. She whispered, their lips only inches apart. Carter shook his head from side to side, closing his eyes as he memorialized Mecca in his mind. Could he possibly pardon her? Look at me, she said, her voice small and distressed. He did as she asked. Forgive me, Carter. She could see the inner battle that he was fighting in his mind. To trust her or not, that was his dilemma. He cleared his throat and stood upright as he sniffed and flicked his nose quickly, gathering himself. He adjusted his clothing and shot her a look that was filled with disappointment. He walked over to the fully stocked bar and poured himself a glass of expensive cognac. He wasn't a drinking man, and he usually gave himself strict limits. He indulged in nothing that had the ability to affect his reasoning, besides Mia Moore. She was his only vice, 
the addiction that he couldn't quite kick. But tonight, he needed something to take the edge off. He shook his head and stared at me and more from where he stood. He scoffed slightly, thinking of everything that she had done, all the lies that she had told him. Holding his glass in his hand, he extended his pinky finger and pointed at her mockingly. Mia Moore stood still as she let him go through his emotions. She was afraid to speak, because she knew that nothing she said could make things right between them. Carter brought the glass to his mouth, and in one swig he downed the rest of the Louis, and then tossed the crystal glass against the wall nonchalantly as he walked out of the room. Mia Moore flinched when it shattered into a thousand pieces against the wall. She didn't call for him. She simply stood there devastated as she thought, He'll never look at me the way he used to. Defeated, she walked over to the shattered glass and began to pick up the pieces, wishing that her life was just as easy to clean up. Overwhelmed, she collapsed against the wall and cried out tears of regret. Part of her wished that she had never met Carter Jones. Then she wouldn't be so lost and stuck in such a dark place. Whoever said that it was better to have loved and lost obviously didn't know her story. To lose a love like Carter's hurt tremendously and would surely fill her days with regret as long as she lived. No one understood her plight. The game had her loyalty and she was in it to win it. But since the moment she saw Carter across a crowded casino, he seized her heart. Suddenly, Carter re-entered the room. I want to hear it from you. I want to hear from your lips what happened and everything that you've done. You've got to show me who you are, Mia Moore, because right now, I have no clue. He pulled out one of the dining room chairs and motioned for her to come to him. Sit down. Tell me your story. Right, because the second book was a dream. Mia Moore and Carter stayed up all night as he listened to the candid tale that was her life. She left nothing out, admitting to it all, even the death of Taryn, as she spilled her guts to him. She watched as shock, anger, and sadness filled his eyes. Certain parts enraged him, while others made him sympathetic. He grilled her, asking questions that he had pondered on for years, and she answered him honestly. It took hours for her to tell it all, but only seconds for him to decide that he loved her despite it. No one would understand the connection he had to her. But he was the boss, so no one needed to. I thought he had left the game. That was the other thing. He answered to no one, and as he heard her hidden truths, he realized that he couldn't pass judgment. The same way she had taken life, he had taken life, Mecca had taken life, and his father had taken life. It was a part of the lifestyle they led. They all had their burdens to bear and their own cross to carry. Killing his brother would weigh down his heart for the rest of his days but he couldn't let Mia Moore disappear from his reach once again. The first time it crippled him. The second time would kill him. His only resolution was to forgive. As the sun rose above the clouds, Carter reached across the table and grabbed Mia Moore's hand. She was emotional, frenzied, and weak as she trembled from his touch. Her red eyes met his. You hate me? she asked. No, he replied simply. He stared into her soul and concluded that she was his. Jaded past, faults and all, she belonged to Carter. Can you be loyal to me? he asked. 
I want to be loyal to you, Carter. I can be, she replied as she lowered her gaze. Look at me, Mia. I want you to understand what I'm asking you, because should you misstep again, the consequence will be severe. There will be no more room for forgiveness. She lifted her head and witnessed a glimpse of the devil that hibernated inside of him. Yes, I can be loyal to you, she said. He leaned in and kissed her forehead. Then welcome home. So the next step should be he calls Ares and Robin and tells them that she's alive. Also, where the fuck is murder? Where the fuck is Lena? How are all these people flying to Brazil not knowing where these niggas live at? And yet touching down right where they're supposed to be at. Right where they dwell. When are we going to find out how she fucking escaped this when we had a hand that said murder mama on it. They got sent to these niggas and then she got cremated. Whose body did they cremate? Is Mecca still alive? Is Bree still alive? Is Zaire still alive? Why wasn't Zaire allowed at the table? Did money stand up from the table in heaven and say, I got to go to the bathroom real quick and never come back? Are they waiting for him? Do they see everything? Okay. So we just going to kill people and then bring back other people. This is like wrestling. Or this is like the MCU. You better watch out. This Mia is from another multiverse. Yep. I just decided that. Money is not from Earth 616 either. I know these are two separate things, but he's DC and she's Marvel. And that's why they fight. You see what I'm doing there? Catch up. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Leave a review on Podchaser. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Donate to us at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast. Uh, become a patron member at patreon.com slash single simulcast. Uh, you can donate to us as well at goodpods.com. Um, thank you all for listening. I greatly do appreciate it. I have no fucking idea where this book's going to take us, but I know one thing that's going to happen. This is my one prediction. I haven't been wrong a lot yet, except I'm still waiting for Polo. This is all his fault. Uh, I predict that because she just pledged herself to him, money's going to show or money. Murder is going to show up. There's a lot of M's in this book. Murder is going to show up and she's going to have to align herself with somebody. And she's going to choose to align herself with murder. Even though once murder sees that Mia Moore's alive, he should have no more funk. Mia Moore's alive and Mecca's dead. So that should be the end of it for him. But nope, she's going to align herself with murder and then... She's going to kill Carter, or so they're going to think at the end of the book. Or, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm going to go with, because that makes me happy. Thank you all so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace. and outro to Ratchet Book Club is by that kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com.
for more information on how to lease this feed. This is Single Simulcast.